Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the incredibly sweaty Matt. Hello. <laughs> we it's are in- so warm. <laughs> we are recording on the hottest day of the year. So I think far. it just said on Radio 2, yeah. possibly the hottest day on record. Yeah. Certainly Germany's hottest day on record, it said oh, on the radio. Oh, goodness me. What are we doing to this planet, eh? At least we've got Doctor Who to talk about to cheer us up. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, so, before we jump in, yes. I think we just need to say, a couple of weeks ago, you were tasked with playing the Doctor Who DS game. Yeah, yeah. Is it Invasion Earth or Evacuation Earth? I can't remember. Yeah. But you forgot and left it at my house. <laughs> yes, I, I forgot, listeners. Yeah. I, I played... <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes of it. Yes. I, I'm kind of saying I'm genuinely worried about that because obviously it's it's a Matt Smith era game. So, I'm, you know. It makes no it's... difference. It's basically a Professor Layton game. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's you, just you like... Know, little... You're selling me on it now. Yeah, it's just oh. little puzzles. Oh, I like a little bit of Professor Layton. Yeah, I didn't play too much because I oh. didn't want to spoil future Doctor Who for oh. myself. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that now. Yeah, it, it yeah. was okay. Yeah. Harmless fun. All right, then. Um, so, yeah, the, today our, our main topic of discussion is uh, Planet of the Ood. Yeah. Episode 3. Of season 4. Yeah. From the 19th of April, 2008. What did you make of this episode? Well, if we go on, on the on the classic scale that we mm-hmm. use, good episode, bad episode, good episode, one bad bit. Really? For me, yes. I, I think... We, we joked last week about whether or not I really watched the episode. Yes. Uh, I really zoned in and out. This was the most Doctor Who episode of Doctor <laughs> Who I think oh, we've yes. watched. Yeah. But it's also, I would say, the most meh episode, the most yeah, average. Didn't, didn't grab you. It doesn't do anything special, does it? Well, I would argue that it does, but we'll get to that. Um, okay. Yeah, I think I think this is a fairly well-regarded one within the fandom. It's not. I don't think it's making anyone's top ten list, but... It's just it's, so average. Hmm. Like... It has all the tropes we've seen. Yes, I mean, I feel like at this point, we, you know, we're in series four. We are, you know, the RTD uh, era of Doctor Who has found its groove. Um, and <laughs> is it a groove or well, is it a rut? <laughs> stuck in? I mean, uh, you know, those are effectively synonyms, aren't they? So, yeah, you you could argue that we're we're getting. To the point of it being a bit of a comfortable formula. So maybe we'll see some episodes in, in later in, in the series that might shake things up a bit. But yeah, no, this is... I can see where you're coming from with saying that this is an episode that kind of is maybe Doctor Who by numbers to an yeah, extent. it's just a safe episode. Um, I, I mean, I think it's safe in a lot of respects. I think thematically, there is some... It's tackling some heavy stuff, you know, on, on the subject of slavery. Um so when you look at it from that angle, I do think it's it's got a lot to say, and also it's kind of it's kind of addressing a balance. There's been a one of the biggest criticisms that we had, and I think a lot of people had, of Impossible Planet and Saber Pit, which are fantastic episodes in in many respects, is the fact that they introduce the concept of the Ud, a slave race, and then it ends with oh the old the Ud all die. And that's that. And, and but, you know, they shed a tear for it, but for them, but we don't really dig into the idea of what does it mean for the, for these. But were you crying out creatures? for an explanation? I just thought they were like cattle. Well, like, that's what you we know. Were, they're serving us yeah. in the same way that like 
when you ride a horse, a horse serves you. But they can speak. They're intelligent creatures. And did you not think at any point, hang on, this is a bit rum. There's maybe a bit more to this. No, because the, whilst they speak, they don't show any higher function other than to obey. Yes, but then is that just because... But it then begs the question, of how did they get to that point, you know? You never know. There's aliens. We might have just found them, and they'd be like that. Yeah, it could that's... be like the little aliens out of Toy Story. I I think there was there was scope. I can see why they looked at those uh, the Uden thought. You know, there's scope here to tell a bigger story here, um, and and make them more of a focal point. So I'm glad that this episode exists. And I think generally speaking, it does a a, a pretty good job of uh, giving the Ood their due. I just think I could have missed this one. Wouldn't have made any difference. I mean, you could argue that about literally all Doctor Who ever. No, because there's, there's like the start of the series. It's like yeah. a little tease, like oh, Rose is back. Yeah. And then we've got what are we on now? This will be the third episode since the no, second episode since then, and we're just getting nothing in that vein. So I just start watching the first and last episode of the series. <laughs> Yeah, does, I don't need to see Planet of the Ood. I don't need to see Daleks in Manhattan. I don't need all this crap. You see, we had this discussion last week as well, didn't we? It's like it's look, there is there is more to Doctor Who is not. It's not about telling one story. It's about bouncing around yeah, the universe. Don't start a story the... and then you know go off on a tangent. Yeah, like imagine it, imagine if it. you like met someone. Yeah, and it was like, oh, David, I've got something important to tell you. And I remember it was important because I was in the shop the other day and I was buying carrots and I knew I was buying carrots because it was a Thursday. It's like talking to Grandpa Simpson. (laughs) All right, then. I mean, do you you just want to knock the podcast on it? Should we just skip to the series finale? I've made notes on it. We might as well talk about it. All right, right, then. Planet of the Ood. Yeah. So we begin with an advertisement for the Ood. Yes. Okay, in a chap called Mr. Bartle, mm-hmm. who is just a salesman, selling the Ood, but then his Ood disobeys him. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know what the technical term is, but I've just put it, electrocutes his brain. Yeah, so we same move that we saw in um, Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, mm-hmm. where they sort of like turned their translator spheres into a sort of rudimentary taser. Mm. And yeah. Zaps him. Gets a touch of the old red eye as well, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. So, then we have the titles. And we're in the TARDIS with the Doctor, who set the controls to random. So it's a mystery tour for Donna. Yes. Just... I mean, he says set the controls. When are the controls not set to random? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they could go anywhere. Yeah. Do anything. Yeah. And um, when they land... It's absolutely freezing outside. And we get a little acknowledgement from the Doctor that this time it is real snow. Yeah. Whenever we've had snow in all the Christmas specials, mm-hmm. it's just been like burnt up ash yeah. of some alien shit. Turns out they ha- they have to go to like some kind of Arctic tundra planet just to get a bit of real snow. Um, no, I really can I say I really like the visuals of the the, the landscape of the Ood planet that we get the Ood sphere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like Hoth, isn't it? Yeah, it's it uh, for me. It feels like a Roger Dean painting or something. It's something you see on the on a Yes album cover. 
Now, um, question I've written down here. How come Donna can breathe on every planet? In the same way that any other human can breathe on any of the planets yeah, but they go to. How come because, seemingly yeah. every planet just has breathable atmosphere? I mean, you could argue that if it wasn't already like it, when the humans came to the Ood sphere and started to treat the Ood like cattle and, and, and enslave them, that they would have done some basic terraforming to make it habitable. It's only 2,000 years in the future. Do you think yeah. technology would reach that? It's more than 2,000 years in, in our future. This, this is set in 4,126. Oh. Five years after the impossible planet. Well, yeah, we might have sussed terraforming. I mean, people are working on it right now. If you think that we got from man's first attempt at, at flight to landing on the moon in the space of a few decades. Yeah, but terraforming. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy that. <laughs> oh, all right, then. Right. Okay, so they just found it like that then. You happy? It must be. But as Donna is breathing... Yeah. This planet, yeah. a big rocket flies over. Can I just check? Would you have preferred this episode if Donna had stepped out and immediately asphyxiated? No, just I just want them to hint at it. I just once want them to land on a planet, Doctor to open the door and go, no, no, not this one, try again. <laughs> you know. Well, maybe we just don't see those ones. You know, in my... That wouldn't make an interesting start to an episode. But, but like... Have you ever been to a restaurant where you've gone in on a whim and as soon as you've sat down, you just thought, this isn't really for me, but it's too late. I'm sat down now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. of course. How come the Doctor never finds himself in that sort of fix? I mean, he probably does. But again, we don't see every single stop the TARDIS makes, do we? Like, they focus on the ones that actually they have an interesting adventure at. I don't want to watch an episode of Doctor Who. Is this really an interesting adventure? (laughs) It's more interesting than them landing on the planet, poking their head out going, oh no, I don't think so, closing the door, and just going off elsewhere, and just doing that like 400 times over the course of an episode. Oh no, you might see some sights. (laughs) Right, anyway. So, the rocket flies overhead, and then this is where we're first introduced to Dr. Halpin. Yeah. Do you recognise him? I'm guessing you do. Of course, yeah, Tim McHenry. Okay, from Blackadder. Yeah. Plays Percy and Darling. Yes, he does. So, um, especially with Darling, a very neurotic character. Yeah. And obviously, they like he's well cast in this because, again, he's playing that kind of... Who do you prefer, Percy or Darling? Well, they're both great performances. They're, I mean, they're very different characters. And I think he's interesting... When you look at Black... I'm going to go on a massive Blackadder I think it's interesting how with Blackadder and you, they've got their certain repertoire of, of uh, actors. You've got the ones that are always playing essentially the same character. So, you know, Blackadder is always Blackadder. Baldrick is always Baldrick. But then someone like Tim McInery, Percy and Darling are such different characters, but he plays them both really well. Um, so, I don't know. I think Captain Darling is a very memorable I think creation. Darling nods it yeah. for me. Because yeah. my all-time favourite Blackadder character is definitely uh flush heart oh right yes yeah yeah rick mail amazing love him. yeah right so one thing we need to mention about dr halpern is you mentioned it slightly there he's neurotic in terms of losing his hair so whenever he speaks to his ood 
he ends most sentences by saying drink. Yeah. And they're giving him a hair growth tonic. Yes, a little shot glass of hair So tonic. he's stressed about selling food and making profit. Yeah. Well, he's like he's he's the the head hunter. Is I think it's like a family business that he's inherited, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the last thing he wants is a bunch of murderous ood yeah. on his hands. But it turns out quite a few have gone on a bit of a rampage recently, uh-huh. and there's some sort of ood virus called the red eye. Yeah. Now, later in the episode, when it's explained, mm. is it actually a virus? No. No, it's not because I it, didn't think so. Because all the way through they go, oh, it's this virus that you are on the turn, yeah. and then at the end it's like it's just not. Well, that, that's their best explanation that they can think of right now. We already, as an audience, could have a strong suspicion that it wouldn't be because if you recall, when the Ood were possessed uh, in Impossible Planet, same bit, they also uh, their eyes turned red in that mm-hmm. as well. So we can deduce from that that it's more likely some kind of shift in their brain function rather than a simple virus so the doctor and donna find an ood out in the snow yeah that also has red eyes okay so so that ood obviously because th- they've mentioned in pre- previously that that you know the the ood that murdered the previous person that we've seen started making a run for yes. it they they picked it off uh, and mm-hmm. they said oh it'll be dead by now but obviously we're now actually seeing the Doctor and Donna d- discovering that ood. Um, and I think this is a, a lovely scene for Donna. Mm-hmm. Because we get... We've slowly been getting... I think we saw a lot more of her human side in the previous episode, Fires of Pompeii, and we get yes. it again here. Yeah. Where it's we're getting away from shouty, jokey Donna, and yeah. we're getting to see... A little bit of heart. Of her character. Yeah, um, and obviously she's, and it, it's it's funny because like she's, you know, she's trying her best. At one point, she she picks up the Ood translator sphere and tries to talk into it like a mm. like it's a sort of phone or something. Um, but obviously, the doctor corrects her and says, "No, you don't need to do that." But but yeah, so at, at first, the you know they're having this sort of tender conversation with this dying Ood, and then suddenly it turns. So it goes like rabid, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. And it doesn't get hold of them, does it? It just sort no. of thrashes about a bit. Yeah, and, yeah, and they, they keep their distance. And then it dies. Yeah. So the Doctor does acknowledge Impossible Planet at this point. Yeah. Because Donna doesn't believe that he's met the devil. <laughs> yes. I mean, to be to be honest, sometimes I look back on that episode and think, God, yeah, that happened, didn't it? Yeah, but it, it's, it's like, one of those where it's like, is it really the devil? I mean, or is yeah. it just a big monster that some people think are the devil? I mean, and the beauty of that episode is the ambiguity there. You know, yeah, if you know think back sure. to that Pertwee episode we yeah. watched, it's like, is that the devil? I mean, we know that isn't. That's just a, a, a demon from the planet Deimos. <laughs> yeah. God, that, that was bad, wasn't it? No, I enjoyed that it. Was Moving on. Right. So then the Doctor and Donna use a psychic paper to enter the Ood complex. They meet a girl called Solana, yeah. who is like an administrative... She's a marketing there uh, executive, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. they're doing some sort of presentation to show the capabilities of the Ood. Yeah, it's a bunch of like, sort of like, re- like just obvious pricks in suits. Like, they're wearing yeah. like almost 
1980s Wall Street type things with the, like, the white collars and braces and stuff. I don't know. I don't think it's at this exact point. But what did you think when they were showing off what Oods can do? And it was like, your Ood is always subservient. Yeah. And it then it has the Ood voice like, yeah. hello, sir, can I get you a drink? Yeah. And then it's just like, or if you fancy something for the gentleman <laughs> yeah, after a long like, day at work. Yeah. And then it's like a sultry woman's voice. Yeah. I think, because I, I tend to watch the episodes with subtitles. Yes. So I can get spellings. And yeah, names. yeah, sure. And I think it referred to it as sultry woman's voice. Yeah, no, sounds about right. Yeah. And then it was like... Sexy lady, Ude. Why not? And then it's like, oh, for the comedians, <laughs> oh, Ude, you've dropped a pound. And then the Ude just goes, doh, like Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I think we can probably safely assume that The Simpsons will still be airing new episodes 2,000 years from now. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> suppose. That show will that just won't die. I mean, you think Doctor Who is long in the tooth. Like, The well, Simpsons will out. I, I remember in the past, Matt Groening yeah. saying he wanted to make 365 episodes of The Simpsons, so there was one every day of the year. Yeah. And I remember when it was getting close to that. Yeah. And then I saw an interview and he was like, yeah, I really want to make a thousand episodes. <laughs> and it's just like, make your mind up, pal. I think it's more just, I really want all the money. Yeah. Is what you could probably uh, surmise yeah. from that. So whilst they're getting this presentation about the Ood and what the Ood can do, there's another rabid Ood just sort of going a bit mad around yeah. the complex. Yeah. And I think it's at this point where we're introduced to, I've just noted him as Security Man. Yeah, I, I don't know whether he gets the name. No, but, but we're going to come back and talk about him. Oh, yes, we are. He has. Uh... For, for a character that doesn't matter. He gets a big scene, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that. Yeah. Right. So, this is where we find out it's the year 4126. Yeah, which I didn't make a note of. Yeah, yeah, that does seem a bit soon, I will grant you. But I'll be honest, Doctor Who timelines... Well, that's it. They're talking about the Bountiful Human Empire. Second, though, not fourth. That's right. Yeah. But I I had to check where this was in terms of Impossible Planet, Mm -hmm. because I didn't want them to free all the Ood if this was before Impossible Planet. I was ready to sort of laugh at a paradox, but they got it right. Oh, that's good. This is set after by five years. So, the Doctor talks to one of the Ood, and they mention something called the Circle. Yes, uh, the Circle must be broken. Yeah. You ever heard the song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? It's like a little hymn. Uh, Johnny no. Cash did a version of it. It's lovely. All right, then. It features in Bioshock Infinite, again. Oh, it's lovely. Wow. Lovely little song. Right. So, whilst discussing the Circle, one of the white-coated lab doctors asks Halpin about Warehouse 15. Yeah. And, you know, it's like a little tidbit. We don't know what's in there. A little no, teaser. We I'm sure we'll find out. So, I mean, t- presumably it's uh, not as uh, interesting as Warehouse 13. Don't know if you, have you ever watched Warehouse 13? It rings a bell. It's uh, a um, sci-fi channel right. series. It is incredibly dumb. Like, if you think Doctor Who is like what, what's Dumb the premise? Uh, the premise is basically all these like weird magical artifacts or like science science fiction. Is it like the warehouse from the end of Indiana Jones? Yeah, basically they just chuck it all in this big <laughs> warehouse in the middle of the desert, um, and it's just like got this skeleton staff of people that have to look after, and then obviously got a couple of agents are like tracking down 
ones that have like fallen into the wrong hands and boxing them up and sticking them in the warehouse. And you know what? It's really bad, but also really like I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I genuinely really had a good time watching Warehouse Thirteen when it was on Netflix. Um, but I don't know whether like we we've est- I think if nothing else on this podcast we have established that I have a higher tolerance for cheesy bad sci-fi yeah. than you. So. <laughs> so before we go on, I just want to apologise if you can hear like motorbikes and what have you in the background. We've got the window open. It's so warm. Yeah, no, I mean, I make no it, apologies. It's either that, or we just we're releasing an episode in which you literally hear us melt to death on it. <laughs> so Halpin says nobody's been in Warehouse Fifteen for ten years. Oh, that's piqued your interest, hasn't it? Well, how do they know what's in there? Well, because presumably someone who the person who went in ten years ago made, made a, a log. Yeah. Well, how do they know someone hasn't broken in and stolen it? Because they know no one's been in there for ten years. Yeah, but how? They pro- they buy our security cameras. They had to. It could be an inside job. <laughs> Look, I feel like sometimes do you, know what? you Halpen, just Halpen <laughs> as a bad guy gets everything he deserves with his lax attitude towards security. <laughs> oh come on, he only hires the best security guards. He hires exactly <laughs> one security guard. No, he's got a couple of mates that he... Look, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get to the security so, guard. So, speaking of the security guard, mm-hmm. back to the Doctor and Donna, they're sort of investigating this facility, going for a little potter about. Yeah, have they introduced themselves to the marketing uh, yes. lady yet? Because yeah. they flash the old psychic paper and they kind of... They, they, uh, she makes the mistake of uh, referring to them as Doctor and Mrs. Noble. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, I, th- I think, the second time so far that they've been mistaken for a married couple. Like, yeah. Also in Fires of Pompeii, that happened. So, uh, yeah, getting awkward now for them. So they see, like, a hood, a hood, a herd of hood yeah. being marched through like a forecourt area yeah and one of them is so weak it falls down and then the big security man just comes and whips it yeah did you feel sorry for the ood or do you think it got everything it deserved i feel very sorry for it if i was there i'd have laid a boot in (laughs) yeah i mean in this episode it lays it on thick with the slavery we're supposed to feel sorry for the ood but they're pompous i don't like them (laughs) Well, I, I was not expecting. Of <laughs> everything I was expecting, I was not expecting you to declare the the ood pompous. Yeah, they're always just like, "Oh, can I help you, sir?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, leave me alone. Get my own drink." Get me like, "Oh, sir, I was only trying to help." I'll be like, "Shut up." Find an ood. The RSPCA would be around. I, I worry this this podcast is is bringing out the worst in you, man. Yeah. When no one was looking, I'd be like putting cigarettes out on my ood's arm. <laughs> right, okay. I'd be real dark. <laughs> so, whilst they're seeing this, Solana, the marketing lady from earlier, yeah, reports to Halpin that they're missing. I think it's at this point they say Mr. and Mrs. Sorry, the Doctor yeah. Yeah. and Mrs. Noble are missing. Um, because they find a warehouse full of ood. Yes, it's just like... Shipping, shipping containers, containers yeah. full of ood. Yeah. Uh, and all the ood tell the doctor that the circle must be broken so they can sing. Yeah. Hey, that's just something I, I just don't care for. 
If you don't sing, you don't sing. Yeah, I mean, we established later what singing means for the Ood. It's 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 more of a metaphorical. Yeah, it's like a Bob Marley redemption song, isn't well, it? Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Right. So, Donna gets locked in a container with some Ood. Yeah. Some Ooh. scary Ood. Yeah, they Because they, they have the old red eye. They do, yeah. And then, initially, I put, this is the bit where the Doctor runs around for a bit. Yes. But the security guy is chasing him with a crane used yeah. to pick up the shipping container. <laughs> Like one of those grabby games at the fun fair. Yes, exactly that. But yeah. is it fair to say that the guy playing the security guard overacts in this scene? Okay, yes. He so... is fucking loving yeah. it. <laughs> okay, so let's unpack this a bit. Remember when I said, uh, good episode, one bad bit? Mm-hmm. Welcome to the bad bit. My notes yeah. say there is literally no excitement in this chase scene. Yeah. It's, it's just David Tennant doing roly-polies. It's, it's terrible. And I, so the way it's set up is like he, the, the security guard does have a couple of mates, right, other security guards, and he actually tells them to stand down, which is... That is not doing your job well. No. You're not using the resources available to you. And he says, I've got this. I've always wanted to do this. And at that point, I guess we're just, we're just establishing that this man is a psychopath. Yeah. In, in the, apparently he's always fantasised about grabbing an actual but human being with a... character development have we got here? Other no. than he's got a scar on his face so we know he's bad. Yeah, it's it's really dodgy and, and, it, and it feels like padding. It is just there because they're like, oh, this will be an amazing set piece. Forgetting, of course, that they just don't have the budget to pull something yeah. like this off effectively. In like a big Hollywood action, like a dumb kids action movie with enough money thrown in it, it could be an exciting, ridiculous chase sequence set piece. But with this, it is literally just David Tennant running around an empty warehouse with a really unconvincing CGI claw pasted in. And any time the claw gets close to him, he just does a commando roll and dodges it. Does it about eight times. Yeah, it's not a great scene. Yeah. So as I've said, no excitement in that scene. No. And then just as it seems the doctor's, you know, doomed and the claw's gonna grab him, Solana intervenes because she wants them alive. Yeah. So at this point all the youth now have red eye and go mental. Yeah. So Donna is taken out of the shipping container, isn't she? Yeah, they're both arrested, I yeah. think, and, and handcuffed. So the doctor says no species can evolve to serve. Mm. I think they can. I mean, look yeah. at dogs. Yeah. I mean, if we left it on its own, yeah. it wouldn't serve. No. But because... dogs love doing stuff for people. Well, they do if you train them with treats and, you know, convince them that they're going to get, you know, something they like out of doing it. And also, dogs are the epitome of selective breeding. There is no evolution involved in getting from wolves to Bichon Freeze. <laughs> and, and, uh, what about another terrorism. species that's yeah. evolved to serve? Mankind. That's just me being deep. Ooh, yeah, you know, yeah. You, oh, that's a lot to chew on. Yeah, we've got to, you know, maybe turn the mirror on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. No, Put ourselves that. under the microscope. Yeah. Good I mean, stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so <laughs> I like that that conversation <laughs> just went no. 
Um, but yeah, so he's he's if kind of. If the ood were real, would you want one? No, of course not. If it was Christmas and someone got me an ood, but I've already got one and I kick it every so often, and I said, "Oh, do you want this?" Would you take it? No. I mean, well, I, I would. Get, well, I would. Ta- I would take it if there was like a a sort of set the ood free. I mean, I guess they, in, they've established in this episode you've got friends of the ood. So I would probably be a member of Friends of the Ood. Right. It's Christmas morning. Yeah. You wake up. Yeah. You have a... Well, I don't know whether you do or you don't. Mm -hmm. A grandparent who buys you those generic Christmas presents. So your options are... Yeah. A, just a pair of socks. Yeah. Not special socks. They're not got dinosaurs on them or anything like that. Not extra comfy. They're just... They're just just like gentlemen's long socks. Yeah. B... The classic Lynx shower gel deodorant twin pack. Uh-huh. Or C, an ood. Which would you want? Socks for me. Socks? Yeah. I, I, I always need socks. But what happens in the morning when you're like, oh, I can't be bothered to reach down and put my socks on. Wish I had an ood. Nah. Nah. Not for me. Not Too for me. pompous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's not forget, like, I, I, I'm barely eat... Uh, like, I'm, I'm vegetarian... I'm pescatarian, but I barely eat fish, so and I feel kind of bad about that when I do. So, yeah, the idea of having a slave creature in my house doesn't doesn't fill me with joy, if I'm honest. You do support fox hunting, though. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hate the buggers. Just yeah. slice them up. Plus, you yeah. told me you were doing illegal dog fights in your basement. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, but other than that, you know, yeah. I mean, the, um, there's the badger baiting as well, uh, but that's just on the weekends. Yeah. So. so Solana mentions ood conversion, so we know that they haven't evolved to serve at this point. They're doing something to them. Mm-hmm. And Halpern orders security to fetch the canisters. Now, I thought the canisters <laughs> were something to do with ood conversion. Just turns out he's going to gas them. Yeah. He's just got a bad batch of oods. Product recall and destroy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're so obedient, why didn't he just command them to walk off a cliff? Well, because they're not obedient, because they've got red eye and they're going around murdering people, which yeah. is not what they're being asked to do. Just shoot them. Right. So the doctor finds a natural ood. Yeah. And a whole, whole gang of them in like one of the storage facilities. Yeah, but again, like I don't really feel sorry for them just because they're so creepy and weird. Yeah. So they're like huddled over, and then one of them spits something out. And at first, I thought that was going to be like how they make a little baby ood because uh-huh. the way they were carrying on it was meant to be something beautiful. Yeah. But it was just part of its brain. It just hocks yeah. it up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. So to clarify, they've got. Normally, the Ood, as we've seen them, have like a tube with a sphere that's like a translating device where Mm -hmm. their voice comes out um, that's connected like to the sort of weird tentacly fronds where their mouth would be. But these natural pre-processed Ood, they just have like a little pink squishy brain which they hold in their hand. They've literally just talked about evolution. How has it evolved to have an external brain? Because, um... Like, literally, you know, the minute they step outside, like a wild dog would just yeah. take that, and that's it, natural selection, the ood have gone. 
Unless there's no they natural predators on this planet, and they they're like the dodo. Not. Yeah, I think it very much is. Like, I think that's pretty much the the, the 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 concept behind it is. You know, as as in fact, I know Donna, I'll, I'll save Donna's line for a bit later, but uh, when it comes up, but but yeah, they are a naturally vulnerable creature, mm. and that makes them easily exploitable. You know, uh, and it makes sense within the context of how the Ood operate in that they are a telepathic race, they have a sword of a hive mind. Um, in fact, I forgot to mention earlier, um, another nice thing about this episode for classic fans is that they finally acknowledge that there is some kind of connection between the Ood and the Sensorites, um, who are a race that are introduced to us in a first Doctor story, never come back after that, but who inhabit a planet called the Sensphere. Mm-hmm. And um, hang on, let me bring up a picture of a sensorite for you, and you'll see why um, fans started to to speculate uh, after the Impossible Planet came out whether there might be some kind of connection. Yeah, they've got like a weird tube as well, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, so um, it's, again, it's they... like a man in a jumpsuit. Yeah. With, with a sort of again, you've got monkey sort of bald face. head. Yeah, sort of crinkly, weird alien face, and they were also a telepathic race. Right. Um, and in manner, not a million miles away from you, they weren't servants. They were their own independent species. Um, but again, they were that thing where you, when you initially encounter them in, in, the, in the story, you think, oh gosh, they're hostile. They turn out not to be the antagonists, really, of the story. They're a benign race, mostly. There, you know, there are some bad eggs within the sense rights. But it's a weird story. It's it's in that it's in the very first series of Doctor Who. Um, so it's. It's, the show is very much finding its feet. Um, but I have a bit of a soft spot for it, as do a lot of people. And early on in this episode, when the Doctor is talking about the Ood Sphere, the planet where he says, yeah, it's uh, close to the Sense Sphere, mm-hmm. uh, suggesting that they are kind of genetic cousins. Right. The, uh, the Ood and the Sense Rights. Um, so, yeah, but within the context of thinking about the Ood as this telepathic race, obviously humans don't have any kind of telepathic powers. So we can only speculate on if you were to have a telepathic race, how would that function? And the idea of them potentially having a sort of secondary brain, that's as good a sci-fi explanation as any, I think. It, it fits to me. And I think that reveal of them having this natural vulnerability and adding in the sort of barbarism, if you think about what... Um, what the humans were doing to them in order to make them into a subservient race, lobotomizing them, mm-hmm. um, and taking away um, an aspect of their natural form of communication in order to jam in something that means they can communicate with humans instead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really is the crux of the episode, that reveal. And we also, this is a scene as well, isn't it, where we hear the Ood song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, at first, the Doctor can hear it, but yeah, I can't. Yeah. So the Doctor does of course, his mind melt. We know that, you know, Time Lords have certain telepathic yeah. and powers and things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he does the mind melt thing so that uh, Donna can, can tune into that yeah. frequency. And it, it's a song of captivity, yeah. isn't it? And it's... basically, I mean, in the way it works in practice is Murray Gold's, like written a nice choral piece and some, mm-hmm. you know, so you've got some sad, wordless 
vocals. Um, but what really makes that moment, again, is Catherine Tate's performance. She's brilliant in that yeah. moment. Like her, her. Just... She has been the best bit of this series. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And like her, her sort of just horror and uncontrollable sadness. And you know, within moments, she's begging the doctor to take it away from her again. Mm. God, that hits me hard. Does that look? I know, I know. You said you were tuning in out of it. Did that not hit you? That moment? No, because I don't really care about the ood. So. <sighs> When it's like, oh, we're oppressed, we're trapped in a cage. It's like, yeah, you should think yourself lucky if I was there. Cage would be half the size. I think, are we establishing with this podcast that Doctor Who is just a show for softies? Yeah. Right. <laughs> is that what it is? In, in, it comes in this universe, I'd be a war criminal. <laughs> Fleeing the shadow proclamation for like booting the ood to death. Yeah, it'd just yeah. be me and the master on the run. I'd be his companion. It'd just be exactly the same plot as this episode, but it just involves of kicking everything. Alright, right. well, moving on. So from there, Halpin catches the Doctor and Donna. Yeah. And it's discovered that the red eye is transmitted between the Ood. Yeah. So they sort of give each other the rage. Yes. Yeah, basically. So when one of them's wronged, the others can become enraged mm-hmm. as, like, a defence. Yeah. To... It's, again, it's all part of them being, like, sort of partially a hive mind. Yeah. Um... So telepathically, they can all go a bit mad. Yeah. So they do all go a bit mad. Yeah. And the Doctor works out that the two brains would be at war, so there needs to be a third component. Yeah. Now, this is where I really lost interest in this Because... <laughs> yeah. So, we get... Uh, um, I mean, so... we've gone all this way, and it's like, oh, no, they've got two brains. <laughs> and it's like, all right, there's the big reveal. And then it's like, oh, no, <laughs> they must have three brains? <laughs> yeah. So, we don't get the reveal of how that works just yet, do we? Because I think first... Is this where we get, like, sort of all-out ood human warfare? Yeah. And so, Halpin leaves yeah. uh, the Doctor and Donna for dead. Yeah. And the Oods start approaching, and the Doctor says he's a friend, and Donna keeps saying the circle must be broken. Oh, yes, yes. So, so they're, they're, like, chained up, um, and, yeah, the, the Ood are just, like, approaching on them, and, and like... Look, every time we've seen a scenario when the Doctor's trapped and people are walking towards him, this goes all the way back to the empty child, yeah. where like those horrible zombie things are walking towards him. Yeah, he, it's never trouble for him. Yes, but the 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 interest is not in oh will the doctor survive? Uh, excuse me. It the, it's not a case of oh will the doctor survive till the next episode. It's how will the doctor survive? It's 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 just you're in you sh- uh, ideally you are interested to know how he's going to get out of this particular pickle. Uh, In this case, it's just by frantically shouting um, Dr. Donna friends. Like, that's going to... I like that his attitude is, let's just... I'll start treating... You know, we know that they speak perfect English, but he's just going to start sort of shouting at them like they're an Italian waiter. (laughs) (laughs) So, all his shouting basically leads to the good ood 
overruling yeah. these bad dude. Yeah. So these bad dude turn back into good dude. Yeah. And that's pretty much the end of that little drama. Yeah. Whilst that's happening, Halpern is going to blow up Warehouse 15. Yeah. He needs to destroy whatever's inside it. Mm-hmm. Killing it kills the dude. Yeah. It's just a giant brain. It is. It's a big old brain in like a vat, I guess. Not even in a vat. It's just sort of sat there, isn't it? So, yeah. The, the All of a sudden, the dude yeah. are pretty derivative of mind flayers from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Giant brain controls them all. They all have big squiddy faces. It's an absolute rip off. Anyway, <laughs> when he says the circle must be broken, the circle's like a telepathic barrier dampening the yes. brain. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out that the scientist man from earlier mm-hmm. had lowered the barrier, and that's what was causing all the ood to become enraged. Yeah. Because he works for Photo. Yeah. Friends, Friends of the ood. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he infiltrated the company, taking him a long time to get to he that point. Outsmarted everyone. Yeah. Outsmarted Halpern. Yeah. Until Halpern just pushes him over a barrier. Yeah. And into he, the brain. Yeah, which is a gross moment, isn't it? Well, is it? Because will that brain digest him? I, I mean, I don't know. Does he just the, have to live out the rest <laughs> of his days inside a it's brain? It's just like suffocating inside the brain. It, it's hard to think. It certainly swallows him up, doesn't it? It's pretty... I don't know. I wouldn't like to go out that, that way. So, to celebrate killing the scientist, the Ood, that we now identify as Ood Sigma, yes. which is Halpin's personal Ood, yeah. offers him a little drink yeah. of hair tonic. And when he drinks it, it makes him hear the Ood song. Yeah. Because it turns out that Ood Sigma had learnt the virtue of patience. <laughs> and yeah. rather than giving him hair tonic, he was giving him... Ood tonic? Yeah, I guess. Halpern turns into an ood? Yeah, in perhaps the single most horrifying sequence we have seen so far on the show, I would say. In terms of just, like, visceral body horror. Yeah. Like, you know, he he sort of, like, he sort of bends over in agony, and his, like, like, the skin on his scalp starts to peel back. And, like, then we get this horrible close-up like profile of his face whilst the the tentacle fronds like unfurl out, out of his, his mouth. mouth and then yeah what well, halpin yeah. is is a noob now that's pretty grim it is um but you know it's it's that kind of like just like dr- i i really basically that you know it, it's one of these where it's like it feels like a sort of a fitting punishment maybe but also, it's a pretty horrible thing. Like Donna's reaction, kind of sometimes, up where she kind of says to the Doctor, "Traveling with you, I I don't know what's right or wrong anymore." Mm-hmm. To which the Doctor responds, "It's probably best that way. People that do usually turn out like Halpern." So, mm. you know, little food for thought there. Um, yeah. yeah. So, following that, the Doctor turns off all the mines. Yeah. That Halpern was using to blow up the brain, and he breaks. The circle, yeah. So the telepathic link is no longer dampened. Yeah. All the youth become peaceful. Hooray! The youth can sing freely at last. Yeah. And they Hooray s- for the youth. Yeah, and they they sort of they sing sing the doctor and the daughter on their way. Yeah. Um, what? So I they, think it was Ood Sigma that says to the doctor, "I think yeah. your song must be ending soon." Yeah. So yeah. they invite the doctor to sing, and yeah. he says no. 
And he said, and Oot Sigma says, well, that's a shame because your song must end soon. Yeah. So. Bit of foreshadowing there, really subtle stuff. What could yeah. it mean? Joke's on him now because the Doctor just regenerate. If he's like, oh, <laughs> Doctor, you're going to die soon. Haha, <laughs> joke's on you. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. Not my favourite episode. Probably not the worst. It's not bad though, is it? It's Come just, on. It's got some, it's, it, at the end of the it's day. It's a solid five out of ten. I give if we're doing out an out of ten rating, I give it seven. You're being yeah. too kind. No, no, no. It, it's like what sets it above for me is the fact that I feel like it's got stuff to say. It it's not perfect by any stretch. I think um, there there is obviously some filler. There's that ridiculous stuff with the guard, which just is mm-hmm. jarringly bad. Um, but it's it's redressing a balance. It's making some important points. Um, it's you get great character development for Donna. Pretty fun guest turn for Tim McKinnon. We haven't talked much about his performance. Like it's very much him doing his thing. Yeah. But he's well cast in this. He carries a lot of the the episode really. Um, some some nice production design on the planet. It's you know we haven't really seen a sort of like frosty, icy planet before, so that's interesting. Yeah, no, it's an alright episode. Like, uh, I mean, if this is a 5 out of 10, then, uh, oh boy, where, where do you, you know, that doesn't leave you a lot of wiggle room for the, for the back end, does it? No. <laughs> so yeah, so I'd say it's solid. It's solid. It's not perfect, but it's good back for what it does. Fridge. Well, anyway. Right. Fingers crossed, maybe you'll enjoy the, the next one more, because, I mean, I feel like, the, I'd say... For Series 4 so far, the overall quality has been higher than it has in Series 2 and 3. But, uh, but you have done nothing but complain in every episode. The so. quality lies with Catherine Tate and her performance. I'd say the writing's been a bit stronger mm. overall. Like, I think we haven't hit some of the highs that we had in sort of the previous series yet. I don't think we've had that outstanding wow episode yet so no, far this series. No. But I think overall it's felt more consistent to me than series two or three did. But yeah, who knows? Maybe next episode will be that that one where it really hits it out of the park. It's a two-parter, the Sontaran Stratagem and the Poison Sky. Mm -hmm. So join us for that next week. Until then, thank you very much for listening and cheerio. Bye now. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor's Theme.